Welcome back listeners to episode 66, it is the Fantasy Football Surgery Podcast. Coming to you on the 15th of August after the first game week of the new FPL season. First of all, welcoming back the voice of call, the Iceman. Thank you, Billy. Welcome back yourself. Thank you very much. How is how is F, how is your life rather now? FPL is back for the new season. I'm loving it to be honest. It's good to have a little bit of distraction from general life of FPL, and I've done all right this week. So, yeah, pretty happy. Very nice, very nice. And your relationship has that suffered significantly? <laughs> yes, he, uh, he has noticed. Because as soon as I get any time, I will be looking at my phone. So get off your phone, stop looking at FBL. So yeah, the uh, the moaning has started. Excellent. And uh, a man that's uh, joined us on many occasions in the past, great to have him back so early in the season, uh, with a, a bit of a change to his YouTube channel we should add as well. It is J&O, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. I thought after last season and the uh, way we ended it with that quiz, you might not invite me back. Yeah, you were lucky, mate. You were lucky. I'm, back. <laughs> I'm assuming some people dropped out. Yeah, we had a few dropouts, so you just managed to <laughs> make the cut. The, uh, the, the last time the Iceman fell out with um, some fellow podders over a quiz, we lost um, three of them, actually, for good. So the fact you've come back is great. Um, <laughs> how are you feeling? That's what it very, is. Tough very skin. Thick skin. You need that. And again, likewise for yourself, obviously, you're running your YouTube channel. Just tell us a bit about some of the changes you've made. Yeah, um, basically, last year, when I was doing this uh, FPL stuff on my channel, it was part of a lot of other content, and I've now just gone straight to FPL. But still, the name didn't really speak to people, telling them what my channel was about. JNO United, it wasn't very clear. Uh, it was clearly something to do with football, but other than that, uh, so I've now changed it to FPL Today. So when you look at it, you know straight away it's a YouTube channel about Fantasy Premier League. So that seems to have worked quite well for me uh, over the pre-season. So yeah, it's going quite well so far. And um, are you still going to be covering, because you, you were doing uh, Championship Manager before as well, Football Manager, weren't you? Yeah, or don't say Championship Manager to a Football Manager YouTuber. Um <laughs> I'll have a separate channel. I've got a second channel. Uh, it's not very active at the moment because a yeah. lot of my time is going towards the Fantasy Premier League one. Yeah. Uh, but it's just called JNO. And if you type that in, you can find it. So that is basically my gaming channel where I don't just play Football Manager, but that is the game I play the most. I didn't realise there was such a division because I've actually still got a Championship Manager 0102 on my desktop here. I still think it's the best version ever. But there, is there a division between them? Oh, it's de- that game, the one you've got, 0102 was a great version yeah. but um basically i think sega and uh, sports interactive they yeah. split ways and sega of course had the rights to the name championship manager so sports interactive who actually made the game changed theirs to football manager so, so those that liked the way the game was went over to football manager and those that kind of just picked up the game new went with championship manager so that's why there's a bit of a division there the uh, purists that play the older game prefer football manager yeah, it's interesting. Everything that Sega touched for a while seems to just die on its ass, uh, including Arsenal after we were sponsored by Dreamcast uh, for a while. <laughs> so, yeah, something to be said about that. But um, anyway, great to have you back on the pod. Laz, let's uh, let's talk a bit about how we've got on in our in our first game week. Iceman, I think you had a pretty good one. 
Yeah, not too bad. I, I kind of wish I did a little bit better. Some decisions I regret, but I think that's always going to happen. I hit 77 points this week. My team, I'll probably just quickly run for it all. I went for Hennessy instead of Foster because I didn't want to double up on the West Brom defence. I actually had Higazi with the 15 points. Uh, then nice. I had the two Saints defenders in Birch and Stevens. I punted on Jones, hoping he's going to start. It's still a risky one, but I think he's going to hold his place in the Premiership for now. Went for Mane over Salah because he's just proven, and I was hoping that going to give me a little bit more than Salah has, but I'm almost regretting that one, but I'm still giving Mane a chance. And had De Bruyne, Zaha, Lukaku captain, obviously, Gavardini and Kane in my team. On the bench, I've got Gross, Carroll and 4 million long and Elliot. So I'm rotating Gross in for one of the defenders this week, but I have got that problem with Zaha because he is injured. So we'll, we will be talking about that, I'm sure, in this pod. Like it. How about you, JNO? How'd you get on? Yeah, I had a pretty good uh, start, uh, 87 points, which means I'm in the top 100k in the game, which is probably the best game week one I've ever had. I had Ben Davies, so uh, that was a good score for me, 14 points from the Tottenham defender. I went with Salah over Mane, and I think at the start of that game, I was regretting it a lot because Salah looked like he wasn't up to the pace of the game, was making mistakes, and then suddenly it all turned around. And I also had Lukaku as captain, and I took Zaha out for Willian. So that seems like a uh, wise a move, move now. Yeah, lucky. A lucky move, yeah. <laughs> Welcome yeah, so, to your book. You had a book about Zaha, eh? Yeah, it's uh, The Fate of Zaha is the next book, yeah, uh, which is a bit of a, it's a tragedy, that one. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we've got The Return of Zaha, will be after that. So don't worry. I'm not giving up on him completely. I just took a calculated risk. Yeah, uh, very good. Yeah, great starting to be in the top 100,000. Sets you, sets you up nicely for the, the coming weeks. I, I had a terrible start, if I'm being honest. Only got 50 points. Didn't have a, a terrible spread in, in terms of uh, the foundation for that score. Had Firmino, Ali, Mani, Cedric and Foster, but everyone else scored pretty low. And fatally, I captained Kane. So where others were picking up 30-odd for or 20 for Lukaku, uh, I wasn't getting anything. So not a very good start to the season for me, unfortunately. Um, the big one there being Lindelof as well being dropped. And uh, the only one that came in for me was Lascelles getting me a solo point. So not a great start at all. Let's look at our mini-league. So 747 of you have joined already. That's a, that's a great start. Um, and some, some really decent scores in here, though. So in the uh, in the top 10, if I just run through who we've got, it's another season of me pr- trying to pronounce names probably wrongly. So apologies uh, just to, to, I suppose, headline this. So in 10th place, we've got Ru Kaku FC. Uh, that's Mario Moriello with 95 points. Shashal FC, Adi Yakov. We've got Ziad Ziad Abdelaziz uh, next up. We've then got Klopkan Karius FC, that's Matthew Eziashi. Then we've got uh, Punch and Judy. I really like that name, actually, with Randy Barrett. FM10 forward slash 7 FC, Fon Markswell on 97 points. Simply the best, John Brady on 98. Bitter Better, Ian McCready. Bitter we can apply to a lot of our previous surgeons. Nugapak Boys, Ezar Faisal in second place on 99. And, or is that NGA Pack Boys? I can't, I'm sorry, I cannot pronounce that. And then in first place, love this from uh, American Pie, Shermanator T800, Christopher Sherman on 102 points. The only one to, in the top 10 anyway to break three figures this week. Actually, it's going to be a tour in the whole league, isn't it? So the only person in the uh, Fantasy Football Surgery mini league this week to break 100 points, Shermanator T800. Nice work. 
lovely stuff right chaps let's move into 10 game week fixtures coming up we've got the first one on saturday just coming up this week so swansea versus man united it is the 12 30 kickoff <clears throat> man united getting off to an absolute flyer i don't know how much we can read into this given west ham's defense clearly haven't learned from last season but jno you being close to this one what do you think about this fixture well with lukaku on fire by the looks of it, with Pogba, Mkhitaryan, the fence still looks solid. I fancy Man United to have a really good game against Swansea, uh, carry on their momentum. I believe, and I can't remember off the top of my head if this is 100% correct, but it was in one of my videos, Swansea actually had the most amount of shots inside their box against their goal. They just happened to get lucky and not concede as much as some of the other teams. So with that in mind, and with Man United getting to the start they had, I feel like this may be Man United coming up against another defence that isn't really ready to deal with the attacking players that Man United have. But I will put an asterisk on it that West Ham's defence was absolutely terrible. Who knows? Swansea defence can't be as bad as West Ham, surely. No, I think with Matic in their team, they look at dominance now, United, don't they? And it was it was 29 shots, the most in the game week against Swansea, uh, Southampton had. It just shows their defence needs to kind of get a grip at the moment. They had a few attempts against Southampton, but no shots on goal, so I can't see really much coming from Swansea's attack. It's got to be Lukaku for your captaincy this week, hasn't it? There's Mkhitaryan playing well to assist. Last year, he wasn't quite at it. I think this year is going to be his year, and they've also got Pogba playing well as well. This has got Man United absolutely ripping Swansea apart all over it for me. Yeah, I think that's a nice shout. So Pogba, Mkhitaryan and uh, Lukaku being the three there. Is anyone in their their defence that you would perhaps feel that Jose is just going to stick with now we know Lindelof's probably going to be given a bit of time to adapt well they they kept a clean sheet against West Ham didn't they so I can't see why he's going to change it very much I think Lindelof and maybe Smallin might be used in uh, Europe still decent players I'm, I'm still hoping that Jones is going to play this game I'm starting him this week for my team. Yeah, and of course, if you start with De Gea as well, not a bad option to, to keep him for the second week. Um, what about the poor Swans who are going to have to face them then? Can we see any value in them? Having just, we're hearing tonight, lost Sigurdsson. I, I now wouldn't be the game week to bring a Swansea player in. I mean, I like the look of some of their players, but this isn't the week to bring him in. Unless you really are that desperate and you have to make a transfer. And that is the best option that you can uh, see then I wouldn't go with a Swansea pick. Iceman, any thoughts on that? No, yeah, I'm, I'm totally in agreement. I mean, Abraham, maybe as a backup striker, 26 goals for Bristol last year. He's a cheap striker you can have, but I wouldn't bring him in for this week. Like, It's going to be difficult to pod this week because we're not going to know that much more than we did pre-season. So there's not going to be enough data for us to actually analyse to kind of bring in. It's it's all about kind of what's happening to people's teams, injuries. I think the main thing people should think about this week is if they're able to hold a transfer, I would just hold it. Um, for example, Gabbiadini didn't score any goals last while. I wouldn't be dropping Gabbiadini to bring in Abraham. Taking hits this week is going to be a matter of 200,000 places. So there are options if, if you're looking and you've got that spare 1 million. I think Mkhitaryan and Pogba, you know, either one of them, you know, they are good options and they will be going forward for the rest of the season. 
So with that, with that comment, Iceman, should we wrap this up now and come back next week? Yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's, Thanks, it's Jay, pointless us being here. Wait, wait, I get paid by the minute. This is a ploy. <laughs> this is sort of why we'd, yeah. Okay, yeah, I think that's a good shout. The one, the one thing I'll add to that, I think Swansea will be a little bit more stubborn than, uh, than West Ham were last week. And if you look at the bonus point system, the, the top five scoring Swansea players from their game against the Saints were their back four and goalkeepers. So... Um, perhaps one to just to consider for the weekend. But we won't spend too much time on the Swans. Doesn't seem to be a lot of value there. Bournemouth versus Watford, then chaps. Some really insignificant transfer news for Bournemouth. Max Gradle has gone out on loan. I think it's uh, to, to a French club. Iceman, any anyone you again? I know you're saying there isn't too much value in putting people in for the sake of it, but can you see any? Should our listeners want to make a transfer? God forbid. Um, anybody you fancy <laughs> from this fixture? Well, I mean, like you. There are options within, like, Bournemouth. Say you've got, like, Cahill and, you know, he's suspended next game because he got sent off. Ake getting a, a bonus point in a game that they've lost, I think, is a great option going forward because getting a bonus point, he obviously had a decent game. He was right yeah. up there in the bonus point system. So he, he could right. be an option for people to bring down to. In terms of attacking players for... For Bournemouth, I don't see anything there really. It's going to take a week or two for them to get going. I think maybe against Watford it, it might work, but I, I wouldn't put any faith in any attacking players for Bournemouth. I, I have my eye on Josh King. I'm going to be following his progress after um, after what he did last season. Um, Jay, no, any thoughts on Bournemouth? I mean, I think there's the risk, of course, of Defoe coming in for a phobe, so you don't know who's going to start up front ahead of Joshua King. Uh, if you are going off of last season, then Joshua King is the one you'd be looking at, even at 7.5 million. If he can replicate anywhere near what he did last season, then it'd be a good shout. Nathan Aki, like you said, he seems to be a bonus point magnet. He did it on his short loan spell last year at Bournemouth as well. So if I had to, I'd go with a defender from that Bournemouth side because one, you have Ake who gets the bonus points, but also Bournemouth defenders have a, a regular part of the season where they seem to just score a ridiculous amount of goals for defenders. The only problem is they seem to share it around the back four, which means you can't pick out the best option. But I don't really see any nailed on option in that Bournemouth side that you have any confidence in off of one game. I think, um, yeah, I have to agree to that. I can't say my attention has been turned to Bournemouth too much. On the other side of this fixture, you've got a Watford side that scored three against Liverpool and actually going forward, absolutely littered now with potential enablers. Iceman made a great shout on Chalabar playing at 4.5 million. Looks like he's going to start in that midfield three. Decore notched. You've got Akaka up front who got his goal at 5.5 million and even Gray when he starts playing more at 6.5 so again I'm not jumping on this for a transfer this week but I think a lot of people have actually jumped on Decore if you look at transfers in. Still only selected by 2% of the fantasy football population so I just think they may be one to look at in terms of enablers over the coming weeks and potentially if you do end up wildcarding early. We kind of forgotten about Okaka from last year. He was he was not bad. Let me tell you what that happened because I put him in. <laughs> you and did, then he didn't got he? Yeah. <laughs> he's, I mean, it's only 5.5, but it's whether he's going to start all the games. Really, they've got Gray uh, in backup, and then Dini, who's coming back from injury. So, yeah, Watford. I I don't see many options at all. I think like Bournemouth, they're another team which need to get going. Okay, chaps. Well. Teams that we probably expect to, to finish in a similar position to those two this year. We've got Burnley versus West Brom as the next three o'clock fixture. And uh, the signing and uh, the goal of Figazzi, I think, has been uh, probably one of the most celebrated masterstrokes of Tony Pulis for many years. 
Yeah, he did, Iceman. He did well, didn't he? Uh, six foot five. He hasn't scored a goal all last year. I think he played forty games and he didn't score. He seems to come to West Brom, who are set piece specialists, and then uh, get a goal straight away. So quite remarkable. And I, I brought him in my team knowing that he would score. Yeah, it's a bit of a masterstroke by the Iceman to uh, stick him in his team and, and to foresee that happening. How about you, Jano? Did you jump on the Higatsi bandwagon? I didn't because I was sticking with Ben Foster. Yeah. I had faith in Tony Poulis being a boring manager, and uh, as soon as his side ever go ahead, he seems to go really defensive. So I thought there's still clean sheet potential there, no matter how bad their pre-season was. But I wasn't confident enough to double up, so because I'd already made my choice on goalkeepers, I, I didn't make the masterstroke of bringing Higazi in. But yeah, I'd, part of me wants to just take all West Brom players out of my side because watching that game was a very dull affair after West Brom actually scored. Yeah, um, it's a difficult one. And just to add to the, uh, the spice in the West Brom side, they're going to add Gary Gareth Barry to their roster as well. So having lost Fletcher in the summer, their central three is now going to contain uh, Jakub, Livermore and uh, and Gareth Barry, which is, you know, you make of that what you will it's in terms attacking. of positive. It is. It's very, it's very positive, isn't it? Mm. Um, one encouraging thing from my perspective, it didn't come off, but I'm going to stick with them. J-Rod started up front for them, and he was my enabler up top. So for now, I'm going to, um, I'm going to give him a few weeks to see if he can do anything. Burnley, of course, did concede against the champions, Chelsea, but what a result for them. Yeah, I thought... Um... I thought Rodriguez looked pretty good. He had a few chances. He was shooting from all sorts of angles. But it was when Rondon came on and he got back to defend and looks like he can't even defend. But he had uh, five attempts on goal against Bournemouth with uh, four in the penalty box. So, yeah, yeah it just shows he is active. And I think he's he might be a good punt. Uh, I would hold on to him if I was a Rodriguez owner. Well, I, well, I will. And I think you, you're right. He was a, he was sort of right up there compared to pre-season when he was out on the wing. Mm. Um Let's turn our attentions to Chelsea's conquerors, Burnley, then. So, J&O, surprise victory for, for a team that could barely score last season. All of a sudden, they notched three with the stupidly priced Sam Vokes getting a couple there. What were your thoughts on them? Well, to be honest, if we look at last season as well, Sam Vokes was one of the best-performing strikers in that price bracket at the tail end of the season. I'm, I'm not saying I'm not surprised. I really thought Chelsea would take that victory. But they had definitely looked a lot more attacking as a side, especially for an away game where last season they could barely win away. They seem to have become stronger despite the fact that they've lost some of their best players. Sometimes maybe you rely too much on certain players, certain individuals, and uh, now that they're not relying on them, potentially there's options there. I was really impressed with Sam Vokes up front, and I'd say if you are changing in an enabler striker, then Sam Vokes would probably be a very good option to look at. And also, the midfield, I think, is a bit too risky to go anywhere with the midfield, which is why I'd say Sam Vokes is the best option, because the midfield could change and be rotated. I'm not 100% sure that midfield's nailed on. I think Brady might be a a bit of a nailed-on starter. He takes all their free kicks, probably uh, furthest forward. He got four attempts in the last game. He 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 looks pretty good uh, asset for them. Yeah, we know he's got a bit of a pedigree, actually, within um, FPL. I mean, Burnley still haven't replaced uh, Gray. And if you look at uh, Vokes over the next few weeks in terms of rotating him and out... West West Brom this week, then Spurs away, but then a, a Palace home game, Liverpool away, but then Huddersfield at home, 
Everton away, but then West Ham at home, City away, but then Newcastle at home, Saints away, then I suppose what I'm trying to say here is every <laughs> other week, potentially, you could take a bit of a punt on Vokes and, Ro- and leave him there as an enabler. Yeah, and just remember, he did score against Chelsea, so it's not like yes. he can't score against any of the top teams. Twice. Exactly. exactly. And Ward's goal, by the way, was... It got me out of my seat. I oh, yeah. say that. He looked good, Ward, to be honest. They didn't want to just whip the ball in to, to Vokes, did they? They they generally wanted to pass yeah. it through. And he, uh, it was good football play by Burnley. And, yeah, yeah, those set pieces were quite impressive, actually. Yeah. I was expecting them to just whip the ball in. Yeah, I enjoyed them. Now, chaps, on uh, on Friday night, I popped down to play some uh, AstroTurf football. When I got back, my beloved <laughs> Arsenal were losing 3-2. Uh, once I eventually got the game up, when we thought Leicester were going to take this one, magic Olivier Giroud brought us back into it. But unfortunate for Leicester, who going forward looked pretty decent. Um, Leicester are playing Brighton this weekend. Jamie Vardy would probably be the main one that stands out for me. And at £8 million, not a bad, slightly cheaper enabling option if you were sort of changing things up. Um, Jenna, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, I know that I might get in trouble for saying this, but <laughs> I actually think Brighton's defence might be a lot tougher to beat for Leicester than Arsenal's was. I so, won't disagree. You're not getting any trouble with me, <laughs> I can assure you that. that so, I mean, while that attacking display by Leicester was very, very good, and I've always said, ever since Craig Shakespeare's got in charge, they look similar, not as good, but similar to the team that won the league two years ago. I think there were definitely options in that side. I'd wouldn't risk Mares, of course, because the likelihood is he's going to leave. I think Roma have been linked with him for a while now. Or Brighton looks like he could be finding the strikers quite regularly from the left, and they may start relying on him more if Mares leaves. Uh, of course, Jamie Vardy, nothing else needs to really be said. He ended last season really well under Craig Shakespeare, and he started off this season with a bang. So I just feel like Brighton's defence will be a much tougher prospect, even though Brighton are away for that Leicester City side to uh, actually get past. Iceman, any thoughts on Leicester? Yeah, with Leicester, they did look decent. Vardy <laughs> may be an option, but he's just clinical, isn't he? He didn't have many chances. I think three chances he had, two on target, and he scored them both. So if you're willing to take a punt on Vardy, why not? The fixtures aren't the best coming up. They have got Man United and Chelsea after this game, but for this game, if you've got Vardy, yeah, hang on. So I did think Brighton's defence were very strong against City, and they didn't have much going forward at all, really. But I have got Gross in my team, and I am hoping for some points from this game. But with Maguire in that team for Leicester, he looked really strong against Arsenal. And I know they yeah. let him four goals, but I can see him becoming a, a great option. You've you've got Simpson and Morgan up 4.5 each. Uh, they're pretty cheap. I think wait until after these games, after the, the Liverpool game that got Bournemouth, West Brom, Swansea, Everton, Stoke in a row. I think that's when you should be maybe thinking about bringing in Leicester Leicester players but right now I wouldn't people were looking at Albrighton but he only actually created the one chance which was a hell of a ball across the, across, across to Jamie Vardy was it Jamie Vardy? Yeah Jamie Vardy but he didn't actually create anything after that so I wouldn't be going near him at that 4.5 options I think there are better options I think Gross is probably a good option he's 5.5 oh no sorry um, Albrighton's 5.5 as well um, I think Gross could be a good shout if you're if you're looking for an option maybe to downgrade Zaha and then bring in the likes of Gross to maybe free up money for maybe moving, say, Gabbiadini into a um, Firmino or something like that. 
See, is this where we do the regular part of the show where we disagree? Because the Leicester City side two years ago didn't have great underlying stats, but still got lots of FPL points. So, or Brighton only needs to do one of those balls every game, and it doesn't matter if yeah, he's not doing yeah, it that regularly. Right. Yeah, you're quite right. Um, <laughs> anything can happen. Like it's, uh, you know, kind of Brighton are un- unpredictable at the moment, aren't they? But I thought they played well against City. So, uh, yeah, let's wait and see for this one. I was quite impressed by March. What does he play in left back or left wing back or left mid? But March was playing and he looked quite good. But I don't think he's nailed on. That's the only problem. Yeah, he's a midfielder in the game. I'm just not 100% sure on his position in the actual match because he was back winning a lot of balls on that left side of the pitch. I liked March, although, to be honest, you need two people to really be marking Carl Walker with the pace he's got. Yeah, Yeah, well, we've got got a couple of options there. So it sounds like the names I'm hearing really from this one is Vardy and Brighton, really. And Gross. And Gross. and Gross as well. Okay. Well, let's move up to another club that's potentially challenging for the uh, the top four this season. Looks like they're going to get in the Champions League after tonight's score. So we've got Liverpool. They finished, as I read it, 2-1 against Hoffenheim. So still have a little bit of work to do, but they've got the away goals advantage. They are playing Palace at three o'clock on Saturday. So do keep in mind they have played tonight on a Tuesday. Nice man. First of all, Liverpool look good going forwards defensively. Though still lots of questions there. How do you see this one going, and who do you like moving forward? Well, I think with Liverpool, it's all about that top three premium options in Salah, Firmino, and, and Mane. I still think Mane is going to be a high scorer. I'm just looking at Salah. He just seems to get in the box for everything. Can he add? Five attempts in the last game. Obviously, got the goal and the assist. He, he seems to be very active. Probably one to pin on for, for FPL. I, I've got Mane at the moment. I, I don't think I want to downgrade to Salah. But obviously, Mane gets injured every, every year. So, I'll probably do that when he does. But I do think Salah's probably the better option out of the two if you're going to pick. He's obviously 9 mil. Mane's 9.5 but Firmino on pens creating chances and a major goal threat 8.5 I think he's probably one of the best third strikers that you can have he's just in between that premium and uh, mid-price options though but if I if I could if I could start again I probably would have started with him from the start of the season because I think he's probably going to rack up loads of points I don't think he's going to be like the highest scorer I think it will be between Mane and Salah but um, he he seems to be involved in nearly everything that Liverpool do at the moment. So, yeah, yeah for me, he's probably the, the best option out of that attacking three. Uh, also, got a shout for Wijnaldum. He didn't play that well in the last game, but he seems to like a home game. And he seems to score in home games. So, uh, I'm still keeping my eye on him at 7 million. Jono, any thoughts on this one? Well, I think the thing everyone's got to ask themselves is, you only need... Sala to be close to Mane's points for him to be better value and then of course you only need Firmino to be close to Sala and Mane for him to be better value. My issue is Mane just comes in that price bracket that I really don't fit into my usual squad uh, budget formation like I usually have two premium price strikers because I usually have two premium price strikers generally to have a decent midfield I can't afford an 8.5 million striker as my third option and it's one of those like quirks I have. I just can't bring myself to do it and have my team laid out in that kind of way that isn't the way I nearly always play the game. So I probably won't 
go near Firmino for most of the season, apart from maybe if Salah and uh, Mane are out, then I might look at changing things around if Liverpool just look that good as an attacking threat. For me, at the moment, Salah's the best option just because five shots on goal, all of them from inside the box. And I think Firmino and Mane got two shots on goal each. If that continues, then as long as Salah's shooting boots don't disappear, he should be doing well. Just to back that one up, uh, Salah was actually on the heat maps, was the furthest forward out of any Liverpool player as well. So he was right up there as well with the rest of them. Right up there. And he's and he's fast. He, <laughs> he doesn't even look like he's running that fast when he's running, gliding. but he is fast. Yeah. So gliding. Any any love for Palace chaps? Ruben Loft. <laughs> position as well, didn't he? 4.5 yeah, I mean, I was talking about that on Twitter. He looks good at that 4.5. He actually played quite well, but seeing the amount of fancy football points that he would score, probably going to be quite slim. We don't see that many points. He was playing in the front three, though, but they do have Kabai to come back as well. So they might dislodge him. Who knows? At 4.5, you can't really go wrong with an attacking player, I suppose. I've got. I can't really add too much about um, Palace at the moment. I wasn't particularly inspired, and to lose three 0 against a newly promoted side is pretty disgusting. Jano, I'll be honest. I think they were caught off guard. I don't think they were expecting Huddersfield to be as good as they were. They weren't actually that bad as far as shots conceded from inside the box. They just were pretty bad at stopping them from going in the back of the net. I don't like Loftus Cheek in the position that Frank de Boer is playing him in, and that's coming from me as a football fan instead of a FPL player I don't see Loftus-Cheek as the kind of player that can play in that role uh, in the kind of system that Frank de Boer is going for yes it's great that it's a 4.5 million player playing that advanced but for me it it was kind of a baffling decision I'd much have preferred if I saw him in the centre of the midfield being able to burst into the box late that is the kind of player I see him as and where I think he'd probably get more points so for me until Zaha comes back, Benteke's always got that potential of scoring a, a lot of goals in a game, but Zaha, for me, is the main man at that Crystal Palace team, of course. Just with um, with Ro- Ruben Loftus-Cheek, he was actually the highest out of any Palace player for the bonus point system. He was up there on 20. Yeah, He didn't assist, didn't score, so he must have been doing something right in that midfield. True, but... I just can't see him scoring and assisting in yeah, that role. Yeah, it's, it's not an argument I think he may have it. that. just staying better. I think it might just be that he's that player that gets the pass before the goal or these uh, before yeah. the assist. Yeah, I agree. Which is always very annoying as an FPL player. Yeah. Incredibly annoying. We all know it well. Um, just going to quickly shout PVA. He looks to be taking all the corners. He's playing in that attacking wing back role. I think maybe when they get going in their, their system and uh, De Boer kind of gets them playing together a little bit more, he might become a great option at 5.5 in defence. Yeah, but no goals were scored from set pieces over the last game week. I'm joking. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> I heard that silent pause like, there and what? I was like, oh, they, they didn't, they didn't realise yeah. that I'm not being serious. Missed the banter. Banter missed by all. <laughs> Chaps, um, let's move on to JNO's team. So Saints versus West Ham. Saints putting up a typical sturdy performance to start off the season. West Ham obviously starting off against the United side that came out of the blocks 100 miles an hour. Southampton, Van Dijk obviously hasn't left at this point, but the, the four that remaining got the job done this weekend. Jono, what do you think about this fixture, given it's uh, close to your heart? 
Mystic JNO says nil nil draw. Oh, beautiful! I'm sticking to Cedric then, <laughs> because uh, Southampton's defence looked good, and for me, Bertrand stood out as a very good option, despite the fact that he is the most expensive one you can have. Um, but I think any Southampton defender is someone you need to be keeping in your side. As far as West Ham are concerned, there were very, very brief and way too brief glimpses of what the likes of Arnautovic and Hernandez could possibly do. But Southampton attacking-wise, they just seem so wasteful in front of goal. I really hope Gabbiadini and Ward-Prowse step up to the plate because, of course, I've got them in my side. But Bertrand was creating chances, plenty of chances, but none of them went in the back of the net. And Southampton should have won their first game of the season. And it just seems like they're continuing from last season where they seem very, very wasteful. Yeah, I spend what are your thoughts on Saints? Yeah, I mean, they had, as as we mentioned, 29 shots against Swansea. Swansea were quite poor at the back. I think West Ham, and I'll keep saying this, but they're another team which needs to gel. Uh, Nautovic at 7 million. I think he might be out the dark punt. He had two chances in that game and he created a chance as well. So... You know, if, if you've got that Zaha, which you need to downgrade or change to someone, I think Arnautovic, if, you, if you're willing to take a, a big punt, I reckon he might be a good shout. I'm not going to do it myself because I do have Zaha and I've still got to think about where I'm going with it. But I have thought about him in some way. But Southampton, yeah, Gavadini, I wouldn't get rid of him yet. He had five attempts on goal in the last game. He looked semi-dangerous. Southampton's attack's never been the most fluid uh, they don't seem to create clear-cut chances but i tell you who I wish I kind of brought in to start with was Ward Prowse he seems to be playing in that number 10 in the front three role at 5.5 yep. I think he's a bargain with Southampton's fixtures coming up four attempts on goal he got he created three chances as well so yeah he has got potential Ward Prowse just at 5.5 I'm um I'm gonna stick with Cedric this week but from West Ham's perspective I put Joe Hart in as a rotation goalkeeper and I'm actually going to go with him this week because I agree with JNL, I can see a nil-nil on this one. Yeah, I, I'm actually going to start Stevens and Bertram in, in this game. Nice. I'm going to put a bet on nil-nil just because last time I put a bet off of this podcast, it came in good for me. Well, let's get good it luck. done. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, any any bets put on on the podcast, we take a seven percent share of. Um, <laughs> just think about your winnings. Uh, I should have given you seven quid off of the last one. Then beautiful. That's very nice. <laughs> Um, well, let's move to the 5.30 kickoff game. So it's Stoke versus Arsenal. We've already said about Arsenal's uh, first result of the season. Coming back, showing a bit of spirit with the beautiful Olivier Giroud getting that goal. Stoke going down uninspiringly 1-0 on Wayne's return to Everton. I've got to say, I'm not too inspired by Stoke. I don't think they've done anywhere near enough transfer business to uh, to keep them safe at this point in time. I think it's going to be a long season. Kurt is a nice acquisition. Obviously, Fletcher will potentially make them a bit more solid, but it's just going forwards, having lost Arnautovic. I, I don't see too much for there at the moment, Iceman. What, for Stoke? Sorry, for Stoke. <laughs> yeah, whatever, mate. Just, you know, whatever you fancy. <laughs> no, <laughs> he was so ready to answer an Arsenal question. I was, I was literally yeah. just thinking. <laughs> no, we're not going to Arsenal. Look, here's the thing for me. Stoke, as, in terms of their base, they've got Cameron Shawcross, Zuma, Butland in goal, Allen and Fletcher. So that's that's fairly solid defensively. But going forward, Shakiri's never quite done it. Boyan wasn't at the club last season. Berahino is still the jury's out on him. Um, what are your thoughts on them? My only option for Stoke is really Butland. 
I think he's quality in goal, 5 mil, but no one from their attack for me. Uh, Boyan showed glimmers of hope, but no, just not with those fixtures. They're not a good enough team for me, and I'm hoping Arsenal are going to um, Arsenal are going to kill them. Okay, we'll hold off on the Arsenal comments for a minute. Jano, any thoughts on Stoke? Well, Stoke missed a trick. They should have really signed Gareth Barry, and then everything would be fine. But other than that, I just again, Butland is a really good goalkeeper, and I think even Grant is a good goalkeeper if Butland gets injured. But maybe Shakiri, just because. We all know he could be a great player, but he just doesn't seem to do it at Stoke. Uh, Bojan's always one of those that has flirted with being an FPL asset. Joe Allen had that small spell last season, but yeah, I'm just I'm clutching at straws. Yeah, let, yeah, let's be honest, there are no options at Stoke. Joe Allen's probably had the most attempts out of their team, along with Juif, so it just shows that they've got... Wasn't Juif playing at right wing back as well, oh, or something yeah. like that? Yeah. yeah, I was just like, I was looking outside thinking, what is he doing? Yeah. Sign someone. Yeah, spend some money. <laughs> All right, well, nice, man. Let me let me let you off your chain with this one. Then they're playing against the uh, the Arsenal, so go. Well, I think a lot of people are looking at the Ramsey option. Now that he's back and fit, he's playing 7 million. I think a lot of people are willing to turn to him. Four attempts on goal in the 23 minutes he played with three in the box. He, Andy got the goal. Andy created a chance as well. But I think people might be missing a trick on Oxlade-Chamberlain. Six attempts he got in that last game. And he seems to be playing nearly every game now. Whether it's from left wing back, right wing back, Wenger seems to just want to shoehorn him into the team somehow. I don't think it's his natural position, but he's always just looking to make an impression because I think he's still kind of in the shop window and he really wants to show Chelsea that he's worth it so that they'll come and buy him. But at £6 million in FPL, I see him as quite a good option and I have considered actually bringing him instead of Ramsey. Um a lot of people have brought in Xhaka, he's 5.5, uh, no, he's just gone up to 5.6 actually, price rise. But overall, yeah, I don't think he's going to be the best option going forward. When when he plays with Ramsey, he drops a bit deeper, but when he was playing with El Nenny, El Nenny was like the holding midfielder, so he could get forward and then provide those crosses in the box, which he did, and he did quite nicely. He did actually have four attempts on goal as well, but going forward, I don't think he's going to be a solid FPL option. I think he scored 89 points last season, so that as a whole is not going to, you know, it's not great in my eyes. So I don't think that's sustainable. I think people are just jumping on that bandwagon. Um, I do think Lacazette is going to be one of the top goal scorers in the Premier League this year. He had a couple of chances. He just wasn't involved in the game as much as he could have been. But I just think give him a few more games uh, for Arsenal to actually get him to his best potential. I think he's just going to be such a good option at uh, 10.5. So, Jono, what are your thoughts on Arsenal? I mean, I have high hopes for Lacazette as well. My only issue is if Giroud stays you've got that whole situation where Wenger puts Giroud up front against certain sides which means Lacazette will be probably put out to the left depending on what happens with Sanchez of course uh, Wenger's still saying Sanchez will stay but do we really need a player to stay at a team that doesn't really want to be there um, other than that Zaka did create a lot of chances in that game uh, I think he created five chances for his teammates. Yeah. So it all depends who he plays alongside. Uh, 
like I think you said, if he's playing alongside someone that can do the holding midfielder role, he can get further forward. Other than that, Ramsey, just he's too much of an injury risk for me. And at this point in the season, the last thing you need, like everyone knows with Zaha, is that injury crisis when you don't have much information to go on to know who to bring in to replace someone. So I don't like picking someone I think might get injured this early on in the Fantasy Premier League season. Oh, by the way, we didn't. I can't say his name, but we need to talk Co- about Kolasinac. Kolasinac. That's yeah. the one. Kolas, Kolasinac. Uh, yeah, I was going to mention. Like he, he was meant to be left centre back, but he was still getting into the box and creating chances, and he looked good over pre-season. And potentially, I'm putting my neck out here a bit. He could maybe be the Alonso of this season. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I just think as soon as Arsenal get their original centre backs. Back because their defence was shocking in the Leicester game. Uh, I think Kolasinac being a wing-back will be uh, one of the best options at what is he, 6 mil at the moment? Yeah, I can, yeah see him, I can see him going up in price quite a lot. He does look good going forward. He just looks unstoppable. He's just not got any breaks as well. He just doesn't seem to stop. And he's one of those players you don't want to get in the way of him when he's running either. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just going to be taken out. It's going to hurt, yeah. I think they're playing be, another sport. He is a beast. He is indeed a beast. So there's a few options from Arsenal there. We fancy them against Stoke. Huddersfield versus Newcastle. Then on to the Sunday fixtures. Huddersfield, what a what a start that was. Iceman, you shouted uh, Mooney last week. Yeah, Mooney. He, he looks like he's a hell of a player, doesn't he? But... I, I still think there's a massive bandwagon on him at the moment. Obviously, he's got the two goals. I think give him a bit of time before you start whipping him straight in. But if you've got him, great, keep him, yeah. Do you know what your thoughts on Huddersfield? I don't have the faith to just assume that that fixture was how they're going to play the entire season. While they did get a lot of good points, a lot of their players scored really well. And... Some of them have decent stats from previous seasons in the championship or previous experience in the Premier League. I just I can't bring myself to uh, actually go with anyone from Huddersfield. Not just yet, anyway. Yeah, so I think we need to see if that's going to be kind of a one-off or if they'll be a little bit more consistent. But um, what about Newcastle, chaps? Not the best start against Tottenham, but also didn't get destroyed. It took a little bit of time to break them down. Well, Elliot at that four million goalie seems to be nailed at the moment. So I've got him in my team. I think that people should definitely bring him in so that he will go up in price and uh, crank up the money for me. That'll be nice. (laughs) I think, you know, also if anyone's gone with the two goalkeepers from one side option, Elliot's quite an easy person to bring in if you want to ship out, say, a Myhill or someone like that. So you do have someone that is definitely playing that is going to be at least match sharp when he comes on. Also, I think there there are options at Newcastle and Atsu as well. Five million. He had two shots on on goal in this uh, in this game against Spurs, and like that's not an easy feat. Uh, having any attempts against Spurs really, like Spurs kind of controlled that game. Other than that, Gale potentially still an option, but you can't kind of <laughs> trust trust uh, like Mitrovic or anyone. So it's a bit of a difficult one. But I am actually. Looking at, I'm I'm trying to look at the numbers for Atsu really, seeing if I can get him because downgrading Zaha to him might be an option for me. Okay, so Atsu, yeah, he was the cheap option. Played a lot pre-season. I think Sid called him last week on the on the pod. So good option there. So uh, anything else to add on this one, chaps? Well, I think uh, likes of Tom Ince, he's still a pretty good option as well. 
he got five penalty area touches in, in the last game with just the one attempt on goal, but he, he got a few dribbles which were successful as well. So he, he looked quite attacking in the match itself from the eye. He looked pretty good and he has had four goals in pre-season. Again, another option for the Zaha downgrade. I think we, you know, this seems to be the, the talk at the moment, the Zaha. We did get quite a lot of questions on that and hopefully uh, managed to answer some of them. I think he potentially at 6 mil could be uh, a good one to go for but there's also Moy at 5.5 he created a few chances and uh, got an assist he might be one to look at I don't think I'm going to go for Moy because I've already got Gross uh, and he's playing in that number 10 at 5.5 so I don't think I want Moy itself but yeah Ince for me he is one of these people that I am considering bringing in so it could be an option. Four o'clock, the big fixture of the day. We've got Spurs versus Chelsea. Jonah, let me come to you on this one. Champions playing against uh, second place from last season. Who do you fancy for this? Oh, why'd you have to come to me? Yeah. <laughs> um, Chelsea had an awful start to the season. And you've got Spurs playing at Wembley. And everyone's got this thing in their head that Spurs can't play at Wembley. But I've seen some stats suggesting that Spurs can play on pitches that size. Because, of course, on their away trips, they would play on pitches similar size to Wembley. And we've got to remember, Champions League-style football is a lot different to Premier League football. So I'm hoping, and I could be proven wrong, I'm hoping there is nothing in this whole Wembley, Spurs can't play there kind of theory. If that is the case, Spurs should beat uh, Chelsea side that are in disarray at the moment. I think they've got their centre-backs are out. Some of their first-team centre-backs aren't playing. They've just had Cahill sent off. Fabregas, of course, got sent off as well. They played Boja, Boga up yeah. front. And I was like, you've got a player you bought for that much money in Morata, who, when he came on, looked like a difference maker. And you didn't start with him. This isn't the Chelsea side that won the league last year, in my eyes, looking at it. They do have players out, of course, that were playing for them at that time. Uh, Hazard, of course, Costa, with all the issues of him moving. But... Right now, they seem to be starting the season off even worse than they started last season off. So there is, of course, the chance they can turn it around because they did last year. But right now, potentially only Alonso, Chelsea-wise, is the one I'd look at because he still had plenty of attempts on goal and still looks like the same player he was last season. But yeah. I'd go with Spurs to win. Can I, I'm just going to ask a quick question here. Who do you think of any other player this last game week got the most touches in the opposition's box? Any guesses? Alonso? Yeah. Ten. <laughs> Just because I mentioned his name yeah. when you asked the question, so ten, that's a guess. But. Ten touches in the opposition box. Yeah, it's amazing. He more or less plays in the midfielder. So discussion around having four at the back in the FPL team, four, three, three. Alonso and people like Walker, who gets forward, do kind of help this argument. And yeah. He had four shots on goal, ten touches in the penalty area. I'm I'm trying to look at ways that I can get him in. It's just when you do bring in the likes of Walker, Alonso, you kind of have to adapt the rest of your team and maybe have a few 4.5 options from your midfield and maybe that's not good for structure. But I can see Alonso getting a load of points, uh, just maybe not at... Um, Spurs, but I I think that maybe after that I will consider bringing him back into my team. It depends if Chelsea actually go out and buy another left back because I know they are looking. Uh, the okay. argument of who, how many to play at the back. Yeah. I, I can't I can't get on board with playing more than three at the back. I just can't because Alonso won't score more points than 
De Bruyne and Salah. And no, when you but, start changing but, the whole structure of your team, then I, I can't see how you can have Alonso and Walker or two or three premium price stri- uh, defenders and play four at the back. So I always have two really cheap options at the back. But that's just the way I play and I can't... Um, I could be proven completely wrong this season. And it'll make it more interesting if it does turn out that 3-4-3 isn't the best formation. But for now, I can't bring myself to do it. You've, you've got to look at it as like the, the price brackets. With Alonso being 7 million, who are your best 7 million players at the moment? You've got Zaho, who's injured. Fabregas, who's just been suspended. William doesn't look as good as he did pre-season now, although some people might be bringing him in. Maybe Ramsey, you know, not always consistent. At least with Alonso, you've got that midfielder who can get forward. You know he's going to get you some attacking returns. And obviously he's playing for a good team in Chelsea, who have kept to load of clean sheets in the past so you've always got that clean sheet option so I, I think that maybe playing for at the back for, for example Bertrand Alonso Walker and maybe PVA I think maybe having these four players it will mean you might have to have three 4.5 options in your midfield but I think that maybe having these four players who more or less play in midfield and have got tack and returns potential and the clean sheet potential as well I think that that could be a good option I'm not saying I'm doing it myself at the moment I do have Bertram in my team I did have Walker pre-season but I am looking to get Alonso in my team now along with Bertram and someone like Cedric as well I think that going from the 7 million options in midfield to like Alonso, I think Alonso's actually the better shout. And you kind of cover the whole team with Alonso. There are not many other good options at Chelsea at the moment. Anyone else to add on Spurs then, Iceman? Spurs, yeah. Ericsson. <laughs> he looks so good good start in the last game. Yeah. Uh, Ali was a menace and obviously got that goal. Davis, it's a bit of a concern bringing in Davis because if you do bring him in, obviously he's scored, but there's always Rose around the corner, even though he did kind of slag off his team and wanted to go up north. But I th- I think he'll still play. But yeah, I think out of the two now, I was leaning towards Ali pre-season, but Ericsson just looked so good in that last game. He seems to get involved in nearly everything. He's got so much skill on the ball and just creates everything. And I think the, the case of Kane, I think if you've got him... Just hold on to him. Don't get rid too quickly. He he could have scored a few times in the last game. It was just a quarter of an inch the other way, and then you wouldn't even be questioning it. So I think that you need to think about just holding on to him. Some people are saying that the price tag of 12.5 is a bit too high, and there are other cheaper options. Maybe there is, but uh, yeah, I'm holding on to him for now. I'm keeping him for that Burnley game so I can captain him. Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't jump off the, the Kane, Kane selection just yet. There's a lot more life in him, and he doesn't always necessarily start well, Kane, but I think he will come good fairly quickly. Yeah. Right, chaps, that brings us on to the last game of the game week, and it's a belter. It's 8 o'clock, Monday Night Football, City versus Everton. So City looks, took them a while to break down, uh, break down Brighton over the weekend, but they got the job done. If you look at their attacking lineup in terms of the way that Pep set them out. Looks pretty impressive as well. Interestingly, went with the three centre backs, the uh, the two wing backs, and then just an absolute sort of cocktail of talent up front. Playing against an Everton side that turned out a solid one nil victory. Jono, how do you see this going? I mean, this is where it gets tough for Everton. They had a nice first fixture, but now their fixture list is pretty pretty terrible. 
I wouldn't bring in Everton players until we at least see him perform against some of these big teams. Personally, I do think Rooney will have a much better output now he's at Everton than he did at Man U. I think he kind of got lost in the shuffle with the talent at Man United, whereas I think at Everton he can be a key player. And there's plenty of options in that Everton side that I'm keeping an eye on, but I just don't think will be viable for me to bring in this point in the season. Calvert-Lewin looked like he could be a great enabler. But to be honest, Man City, the amount of talent they have, I think Man City should be winning this at home. And the only issue is what formation and who will Pep Guardiola play. And that is my issue with the whole Manchester City setup. I don't know for definite who is going to play and anyone could be dropped for any game. And at least that's what it seems like. I think that with City, at the back, I, I don't think there are many. I think you could probably opt for Otamendi, Company or Stones, but there's always a risk that one of them is going to get dropped and Company is an in- injury target. So I wouldn't necessarily go for any, any of them. Walker, like, like I was mentioning earlier, practically plays as a midfielder, so he is probably a very good option, but he is 6.5. You've got to pay the money for that. Danilo didn't look good in this game. didn't look convincing, but at 5.5, five if you brought him in now obviously hang on to him until he gets subbed out from Mendy who is back in training I think he was back in, in training yeah. yeah so then you've got your options in midfield in KDB obviously blanked this last game but just let me list the stats for him he got four attempts on goal if it wasn't for Jesus handball he would have gotten an assist for that goal as well so he's one of these people who's like almost the season keeper you just kind of got to hang on to him and he'll get the points sporadically throughout the year you're not necessarily looking for any Initial returns. I know he's quite expensive at, at 10 mil, but he's always got that double-digit return in him. Then you've got the the two up front in Jesus and Aguero. Aguero returning well, although not playing that well. But I think Jesus, if you do have him, I kind of want to get him in my team. He did look really good in attacking. I thought that he could have had a number of fancy football points in the last game. He obviously got booked as well, but... I think that he is going to be scoring high this next game as well. I think if you've got your captain option and you're not sure and you don't want to go for the likes of Lukaku, I think any of KDB, Jesus or Aguero could be a very good option for that. Yeah, Jano, any other thoughts on this one? See, for me, I think the issue with Aguero and uh, Jesus is if they play together up front, they could split the points regularly, so you don't know which one's going to get the most points. To me... Jesus looked better than Aguero in that game. Yeah, Just Aguero is the one that scored. Because of that, attacking-wise, you're always going to have a situation similar to Liverpool where you could be sitting there watching other players get points and yours doesn't. So you either have to accept that and just sit on the player you've got and not chase the points, which could be even worse for you. Of course, it could be better for you if you do get lucky and chase the points and happen to get it right all the time, but that is very unlikely. The most nailed-on option in that side for me, at least from my perspective of it, is probably Carl Walker. I just don't see dropping Carl Walker unless he gets injured. I could, once I get to know more about the other teams in the league, just go with Carl Walker as my Man City player because, like it's been said, he does play so far forward. I think he is, again, one of those players that if you're looking for someone like Alonso, but you don't want to pay this full seven million, Walker could potentially be that player as well instead of paying a full seven million. So I definitely like the look of Walker in the Pep Guardiola system. Just just a warning on that. The preseason they did play Sane at left back and Danilo played right back. I think that's when they were just resting Walker. Not sure if they're going to do that pre-season, but just kind of a warning there. 
I think what was telling was Sane came on for Danilo. And I think, of course, Walker was having a better game than Danilo in that game. But I feel like Danilo is the one that, in Pep's mind, and also by price, Fantasy Premier League have also gone with it. Danilo's the one that is going to be the utility player. It's yeah. kind of put in where he's needed. Whereas I think both Mendy, if you go off of Mendy's season at Monaco, Mendy is pretty much the Carl Walker on the left. Unless they're going even more attacking where they play Sterling and Sane as wing-backs, which is definitely possible if they're trying to break down teams. I think Mendy and Walker are probably going to be picked most of the time in those positions. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I think, um, you know, they say you don't drop a 22 million fullback, but then you don't drop a 50 million fullback, do you? So those two would be the nailed on. I think probably you'll see Danilo getting more rotation, a bit more love, definitely against weaker Premier League sides when the Champions League kicks in, because you'd have thought City would be going hell for leather for that this season, and Mendy and Walker will likely be the, the two for that competition, at least in the, in the big games. Just a quick question mark on their defence as well. Edison did not look convincing in goal. He dropped the catch, sprinting out for no reason as well. It doesn't really give confidence in their defence for, for clean sheets. Yeah, he doesn't look the best goalkeeper in the world. We'll have to wait and see on that one, won't we? See how it's, we'll have to hope that uh, Edison doesn't go the same way of Claudio Bravo last it, season. Yeah. Chaps, that brings us to the end of our games. Before, so I believe the ice will be wanting a break. Oh, before, lovely. We've got before, more to say. Yeah, we've got more to say before you do. <laughs> I, I know uh, uh, JB, uh, the beard man, mentioned in our chat uh, Alexander Arnold scoring tonight, apparently, from a free kick. And he's on corners, pretty advanced. Looks a decent punt at 4.5 for Liverpool. And also Moreno at 4.5 seems to be starting in that left back position. Not saying that I'm going to get either of them because their defence looks probably shocking they've probably conceded a few goals tonight as well I'm not sure but uh, yeah I need to run for a piss so I'll be right back <laughs> Jen, I'm so, so that's going to be a difficult cut because he went straight from talking to I need a piss yes he does yeah good luck with that one <laughs> I'm just going to grab something to eat now with me Welcoming him back from the throne is, of course, the king of the podcast, the Iceman, which is going to bring us to our sum up of the game week. So to run through, first of all, the 12.30 kickoff on the Saturday, we've got Swansea versus United. Look at it, of course, Lukaku is a great captain option. Pogba and Mkhitaryan is 8 million midfielders looking very good for providing him. No Swans at this point. Bournemouth versus Watford. Watford full of enablers, Decore, Chalabar, Okaka. No one from Bournemouth, particularly at this point, uh, taking our fancy. The the next three o'clock kickoff on the Saturday: Burnley versus West Brom. Rodriguez started up top for for West Brom, and obviously Vokes, great performance against Chelsea, looks a good low price option moving forward and in rotation. Leicester versus Brighton. Well, Vardy did the business against Arsenal. Looks a, a solid shout as a differential, I suppose against any club at the moment, or Brighton's a cheap option on the wing, and we still think Gross is going to come good for Brighton over time. Liverpool versus Palace. Palace looking not great to start off with, so we think there's change here for Salah, Firmino and Mane. Depending on the way you play, the game may dictate which of those that you choose. Southampton versus West Ham. JWB is a cheap option for the Saints, and pretty much most of their back line looks a safe bet on this one. If you've got heart, you might fancy rotating them in 
for a, uh, a clean sheet, possibly, against a, uh, I suppose, not so well-performing Saints attack. Stoke versus Arsenal. Butler was the real only one that we thought could be an option at Stoke, but really still not so at this point. 5.30 kick-off here. Ramsey, Lacazette, Xhaka looked good in that first game against Leicester, and Kolasinac looks a bit of a beast for the Gunners. Huddersfield versus Newcastle on the Sunday. Mooney had a great start to the season, but we're just cautioning at this point it is a bandwagon. Maybe see how he goes for a couple of weeks. If you put him in, may have a chance against this Newcastle side. Elliot's still a cheap option. Uh, and Atsu for Newcastle. And also for Huddersfield, in terms of creativity, Moy was doing a fair bit, and Ince is a good cheap option as well. Four o'clock kickoff: Spurs versus champions Chelsea, although not looking like champions. Kane, Alley and Eriksen, the usual suspects for them. Really, the only, only one for Chelsea at the moment is Alonso. Um, and then the Monday night football, City versus Everton. This is a big test for Everton. So at the moment, we're going more towards City with Walker, Gabriel and maybe not this week, but eventually Mendy being the options for them. Nice sum up. You missed out Ake, by the way. Yeah, Ake was never an option. Iceman has just added that in himself. <laughs> which, which, of course, brings us to Twitter. Iceman, what's been going online? Loads have been going online. Uh, let me just bring it up. We've got loads of questions on Zaha. Who to go with? Well, we've got the perfect man to answer it. Yeah. Jano, who, who would you go with if you had Zaha? If I had Zaha, my yeah. very first option to go to would be Willian, just because it gives you the Chelsea coverage in case the result against Burnley was a blip and they do manage to put it all back together. And, of course, Willian did bring in points and has had a good preseason. Didn't look as good in the uh, game against Burnley, but I think for the majority of Chelsea players, it was hard to look that good in that game. So uh, Willian would be my first option. Otherwise, I think we've mentioned Oxlade-Chamberlain earlier on in the pod as a potential option. It looks like he gets put into that Arsenal side no matter what. Other than that, maybe take a punt on a Southampton midfielder. Uh, just because of their fixtures are kind. So you've got Tadic, you've got Redmond, you've got Ward-Prowse. Other than that, I don't really see anyone that shouts at me as a viable option off of one game week. Uh, you could take punts on some of the teams that have been promoted. So you've got Ince, you've got Gross, you've got Moy. But for me, first pick would be Willian. And then if you haven't got an Arsenal player on your side, uh, maybe go with Oxlade chamberlain what about Ramsey? Have you not even thought Yeah, he's going to be my shout. I'm probably leaning more towards Ramsey than I am Oxlade-Chamberlain at the moment. Yeah, because you've got Zaha as well. Who, who do you think... Are you going for Ramsey, are you? I, I haven't got Zaha. Oh, I thought you did. Oh, it's just me that's in that predicament then. Um, <laughs> I I think if I if I didn't have three Southampton players, I think Tadic would be a, a good option as well. He looked pretty dangerous in the last game. Had a, had a one-on-one which he which he missed, um, but he always flatters to deceive Tadic and always going to be wary of him going forward because he's always pained me in the past. But yeah, he, he's another one I've kind of considered. Uh, but I would need to do a minus four. And I don't think at this point in the season that you should be making hits at all. In fact, you should try and go most of the season without taking hits. The point is, I, I do want to kind of upgrade Zaha to someone like Mkhitaryan, but I don't have that one million. So again, that would need to be uh, dropping someone else. I 
I'm kind of wanting to hold him for now, and then if he doesn't price drop at all, then that'll be great. But if if I see on uh, FPL statistics or Fancy Football Fix that he is going to price drop, then yeah, I will be removing him. And uh, my options are Atsu, Ramsey, Oxley, Chamberlain, Ince, and uh, potentially Moy, but uh, more Ince than Moy, just due to the fixtures. And at the moment, I'm actually on Atsu, but. Uh, not 100% at the moment. I'll probably let you all know on my Twitter at James Drury. You can get that if you go through uh, FF underscore surgery Twitter. Uh, I'm linked on there. So I'll let you all know on through that what decision I'll actually be making. Um, moving on from Zaha, because we could probably talk about him all night. We've got another question from Nicholas Everson. He's gone, keep Gavardini or transfer? Kane a captain option for game week two or Lukaku like everyone else so what's your thoughts on this Jano? Well I think don't take the risk of captain anyone else other than Lukaku not this early on, uh, it's not like you're playing massive catch up with anyone game week two so I'm going to play it as safe as possible and go with Lukaku as captain the last thing you want to do is go with Kane as captain and then he has a similar performance to the game against Newcastle while you then go and watch Lukaku go and score another brace. So I'm sticking with Lukaku as far as captaincy options go. And what was the other question? Uh, he's wondering whether to keep Gabbiadini or transfer. I would keep him for at least one more game week just to see what happens because I think you don't want to rush into a decision because of one game week. For all we know, next game Southampton could actually score four or five and then suddenly it all clicks for them and you'll be watching Gabbiadini scoring a bunch of goals because he's proven he can do it. He had that very short stint where he first came to Southampton and he was putting him in all over the place. So I will keep faith for at least one more game week and probably hold my transfers if I can and then try and make decisions based off of at least two games instead of making them off of just the one. Yeah, you've got to look at the amount of chances they created. 29 shots on goal. Like It's, it's not easy to do that. Um, so there is a lot of potential in, in getting a lot of points from these Southampton players. I wouldn't necessarily just start transferring them out. What, what are your thoughts on this, Bully? Uh, I, I guess too early to transfer out personally. I think we need... The first game week's great, but I think you need to get a couple just to get a sense of the form because you can get some freak results on the first day. So I'd be be sticking at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Agreed. We've got one of them here from Nick at Block One O Nine Underscore Cop. Uh, he's saying thinking of a, of a Man United defender due to easy fixtures they have, but who's guaranteed to play? Damian and Lindelof. Lind- uh, <laughs> Damian and Lindelof come into the mix. So. What are your thoughts on that? I've got Jones at the moment. I'm not 100% that he's going to play every game, so it is tricky. I think Valencia is probably the most nailed. Blind was that left back. He was always quite a good option. Bully, what are your thoughts on, on Man United defence? Uh, I, I, th- I agree with uh, Valencia. I think Jose tends to, to prefer him at right back as a dynamic option. I also think as long as he's fit by is probably his preference. He's had a season there now. I think he's nailed on for Jose. So I'd go for one of those two over any of the others. He does last season by, he tended to play when he was fit. So he would probably be the one with Valencia for me. Yeah, Jano? I just want Marino to realise that he needs to keep playing blind because he has the potential for a decent return FPL-wise because he seems to be on set pieces, seems to not get maybe as forward as Valencia does, although some games he does get even more forward than Valencia on the rare occasion. I just feel like Blind, if he actually got the same amount of game time, 
let's say the Valencias and the Bayi could be a great, great option. I mean, last season he only had two less than Bayi, but I think a lot of Bayi's was match fitness when he wasn't playing. And Valencia got 28 appearances, so Blind with 23 seems like the third most nailed on option after those two. And I just think if he actually played the majority of the season, he could have a great return. Yeah, I do think it's probably best staying away, unless you've already got one. I think it's best probably staying away because it's just so much unsurety at the moment. It's easier just to opt for someone else. There's no guarantees in in, uh, clean sheets. Got another question here from Jonathan Team 100 at Johnny C14. What players will be a bargain since they have been injured with price chops, e.g. Shaw and Hazard? So, what do you make of this question, JNA? I don't think Shaw's favoured by Mourinho. So I think Shaw is a very, very risky pick when he does come back from injuries and such because I just I feel like Mourinho's already made his decision up on Shaw. That could, of course, be completely wrong, but I just think Shaw isn't in the good books. And so unless he moves, I don't think Shaw's ever going to be a nailed-on option at Manchester United. Yeah, I, th- um, I think he's asking the question more for the players which have got semi-high ownership and might be transferred out and then might drop in price for when they come in. But just to alert him on this, when a player is injured and he's red-marked, I don't think he goes down in price. Is that true? No, no, they don't. They don't. No. So I, I don't think you're going to get anyone who's going to be injured at a substantially cheaper price. So just let you know on that. Jonathan. Moving on to the next question, we've got Mikel L. Enginson. So why should I not rush to get in Walker Peters? It's very tempting. What do you make of that, Bully? Um, that's a confusing one, isn't it? Just replacing Walker with Walker Peters. Um, there's a great tweet from Crouch on, about that floating around. <laughs> such, a, on the such a coincidence, isn't it? Same right back, same name. Yeah, I think... Um, I think Spurs will eventually sign another right back. I can see before the end of this transfer window them getting a more established player in if they're going to be competing in the Champions League. So I don't, I'm just not confident they're going to stick with him the whole season. I still think someone will come in yet. Yeah, I, I think that... It's, it's, to be fair, that's a bit of a weak argument, but I just don't... I think if they're going to be in the Champions League, I think you'll see somebody more established come in. No, I agree. I mean, it's the likes of Trent Arnold as well. He may be a good player at the moment, might do well, but in hindsight he's definitely going to be coming out of that team at some point it's like a transfer waiting to happen which you don't kind of want to have in your FPL team. JNA thoughts? I think also they've got the option of playing someone like Eric Dyer there at right back for games where they might feel like they need to be more defensively solid yeah. and so I don't see him being nailed on and too risky of a pick where you might suddenly have to make a transfer you weren't planning on making by bringing him in. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right, we've got one from Real FTF. He's saying De Bruyne, sell or keep faith? I'm keeping the faith for now, I've got to say. I think, um, again, he, he was he didn't contribute anything at the weekend, but it, he's just such a world-class player. I can see him notching at any time, so I think keep the faith for now. Yeah, I think he, he was often the pass before the pass, nearly points, we call it. I think that in the next game, he is due. <laughs> oh, dear. Can I can I just add something about City that we didn't mention earlier in the pod? Yeah, sure. They actually played a friendly tonight. Yes. Against Girona. Can they, I go on? They did, yes. Can I go on? Go on. Thank you. Great. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know if this is going to tell us anything about their weekend team, but I can tell you starting for them included Sterling, Sane, Bernardo Silva, Torre. Now, 
two interesting names. Stones was in there, and also Danilo played right wing back. Players coming on was Gundogan, which is a good sign for the future. But Otamendi came on at half time, and Ezus got twenty minutes. So whether that tells us that Danilo is going to be out and Mendy in this week, given he's back in training, I'm not sure. But I think that that might give us a few clues. Yeah, OK. They lost 1-0 for what it's worth against Girona. Wow. Yeah. Because they should have played Danilo at left-back. <laughs> exactly. That, that will be the reason why they lost. You're right. Yeah, they played Sarni at left-back. So there we go, Iceman. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Alfie. Is that is that Twitter done or any more questions? Uh, well, we've got one more. We've got a load on uh, Zaha, but we've kind of answered that. We've got one more. Right. FPL Sexy has put, oh, does wow. Giroud's beard have superpowers? Oh, my God. That couldn't be a better tag to ask that question. <laughs> and uh, the simple answer is yes, it does. <laughs> and Jono, your thoughts? It's just a beard. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, that header he scored at the weekend, you oh, know when beautiful. you're playing FIFA or Pro Evo and you, and you score from across from like an impossible twisting angle and you think that's impossible, that was his header at the weekend. So yeah. how did he do that? It was brilliant. It was brilliant. Maguire was all over him, pulling his shirt, so he pulled it back and then boom, there it was. It was beautiful. You Arsenal love fans him. love Giroud. <laughs> we do. He, he makes love to the ball with his face every time he scores. But then you still man. want a new striker for every summer transfer. That's all right. We've got Lacazette. We're good now. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the end of Twitter ball. So thanks Lovely. for all your questions, guys. Uh, we appreciate it every week. Thank you very much. Well, chaps, that brings us to the end of the second uh, podcast of the season. Absolutely brilliant numbers so far. We're um, each week on average getting probably just over a third more than we were last season. So thank you for all your support and listening. Please keep sending in your questions. And I think I need to tell you how to get in contact with us. So, um, Iceman, if you could just pop that on the screen in front of me. Okay. So, um, first of all, you can get us on our website, www.fantasyfootballsurgery.com. You can find us on Facebook uh, by typing in Fantasy Football Surgery. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes under Fantasy Football Surgery Podcast. Can you give us a rating? If you do, tell us what you think, whether it's good or bad, so we can improve things. A lot of our activity, as I always say, goes on on Twitter at FF underscore surgery. You can follow us on Reddit. Please up the pod on up that. Pod. Up the pod. And you can listen to us on SoundCloud as well. Um, you can also join the mini league, but don't do that before you email us, ffsurgerypodcast at yahoo.com if you fancy being a pen friend to the Iceman. I get loads um, of emails at the moment, loads. Love you it. actually? Is, is it all spam? No, no, yeah, no, I'm getting hundreds and hundreds of emails. I didn't get told about this email. <laughs> ffsurgerypodcast at yahoo.com. I'm getting loads of rate my teams, which I'm having to do. Nightmare. It's not a nightmare. It's it's a blessing. People are putting okay, their yeah. trust. It's in nice. It's like, nice to I, interact. I'm not saying anything about rank my teams. <laughs> right now, if you want to join the mini league, which has uh, 747 participants, uh, we've got the code here. So it's one one seven three hyphen four double five. That's one one seven three hyphen four double five. So easy chance- to remember that. So easy. Uh, for your chance to win the Fancy Football Surgery podcast goodie pack at the end of the season and a esteemed placemat. Can I That's... plug my mini league? Of course. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You don't win anything, so that probably will make about half of you not interested. <laughs> but it's eight one two four four one. Oh, that's nice. 
good number. Uh, I know. I just wanted to say the number. Yeah. I don't mind if uh, <laughs> really? anyone joins right. or not. I just wanted to brag about the number. And what was the code again? So eight. Oh, I've got rid of it now. <laughs> you should remember I it. it. I just I should just be easy to, to remember. It's, it's that short, isn't it? I should just remember it. Uh, it's eight one two four four one. Is that four four one? Eight one three two eight one. Eight one two four four one. Stop ruining my number. I'm proud of this number. Right. Okay. So I'll be joining that very shortly. Um, J and O, thanks for joining us once again. How can people get in contact with you with questions to bug you about FPL? Well, they can of course go to my YouTube channel where I do an FPL Q and A. So if they leave a comment on a video during the week around Thursday, Friday, I will answer as many of the questions as I can. And on Twitter at JNO United, uh, you can ask me on there and. If the question interests me, I'll answer it. But I get a lot of rate my teams, and I'm not a fan of rate my teams. And uh, and where can people contact you for a championship manager hate? <laughs> <laughs> they can uh, go to my channel JNO. That is where I do my gaming content. Although Excellent. to be honest, I've not done much on it at the moment purely because FPL, of course, this time of year takes precedent. Of course, it's the most important thing in all of our lives at the moment. Thanks for joining us again, though, um, Iceman. Yeah, cheers, Jeno. Thanks, Billy. Great podcast again. Good luck in your game weeks, guys. For everyone here at the Fantasy Football Surgery, me and me, Billy, it's goodbye and good luck in your game weeks. funky music all right then... there's some massive bug in it so i'm gonna try and either get it out of the room or kill it <laughs> yes i specifically remember you saying that you knew he oh, was gonna score jano pete 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 your your yeah. mic's gone funny again can you hear me yeah do you want to just do that bit again <laughs> what the hell's that <laughs> sorry <laughs> i've left my phone it's not on silent <laughs> And Jeff. a goal has just been scored in the Liverpool game. Oh, uh, okay. Who scored? <laughs> I don't know who scored. It was a betting app, so it's just told me someone scored. Oh, okay. Um, I can tell you an, Ars- an ex-Arsenal West Ham player actually scored an own goal in that game. Yeah. Oh, okay. Harvard uh, Norvite. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah he was a legend. Absolute, yeah, quality. <laughs> okay. Um, Iceman, what am I doing? Uh, you're reacting to what I said when I said that's why I put him in my team, Hagazi. So I'm reacting to that. Yeah, go. (gasps) (laughs) 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 You absolute masterstroke by the ice. No, no, you're going to have to do it again. We can't. (laughs) We can't. can't It won't be genuine if we do it again. Yeah, just, just, just go again. So he was right up there as well with the rest of them. Right up there.